Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Happy All Saints Day, everybody. Hope you all had a happy Hallow's Eve as well. I know that we did in the Espinosa family, uh, enjoying Reformation Day and also just a nice day to uh, get together with people in the community and to just celebrate the gifts of harvest and neighborhood and community and, of course, candy if you're a three-year-old who's just really running around going from doorbell to doorbell. Welcome, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 32 today. We're continuing this section in Isaiah about uh, condemning the plan to make an alliance with Egypt. You know, we saw in Isaiah chapter 31, there is that prediction that Assyria will fall by a sword, not of man, um, that there's nothing that Egypt's going to do with all of its chariots and with all its might. We saw in Isaiah 30, you know, it's it's compared to Rahab, the dragon, a do-nothing dragon that just sits in a timeout. Egypt is not the way to go. Don't fall for that. Just because they seem strong, that's not the way you should go. And now we have a turn here in Isaiah 32, and now it's talking about what is going to happen when God brings this blessing, that there is going to be a king who will reign in righteousness. So those of you who have been following along in Isaiah for the last 30 chapters with us, um, I think probably can anticipate the two answers to this question, but... We have an interesting perspective on it today, and we also have a very interesting guest to help us unpack that perspective. We've got Pastor Wally Venoskis, pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church in McCungee, Pennsylvania. He's also the district president of the SELC district. And if you're really, really curious, you could call in and ask what that stands for. But <laughs> for right now, let me just welcome our guest, Pastor Venoskis, to today's episode. Welcome, brother. Good morning. Happy All Saints Day. Good morning to you, dear brother. It's great to be with you and also with you. It's a day of great uh, glory and festivity. It's a feast of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, many of our Lutheran churches, dare I say, most of our Lutheran churches will hold the feast off until Sunday, right. but it is the day that we celebrate all those unnamed saints of the Lord who have been marked with his cross, declared to be holy and righteous. And so that yes. is our inheritance in Christ, and and it's with that joy we get to gather around God's Word today. That's right. I, I do believe, Brother, you're right that uh, most congregations will will hold off the, the feast day and the observance um, until Sunday, though only to a certain extent, right, because we have all this candy from last night, and so maybe the feast yeah. does begin today on November 1st. Well, it, it's, it, you know, the, the secular calendar has sort of trumped really hard on the church calendar. And so at Christmas, is, that, is this not how it is? So we have a huge Christmas Eve festival yeah. uh, at, at, at many, again, if not most, Christian churches across the nation. And then for many of them, there's nothing on Christmas Day. We actually do celebrate uh, the Christmas Mass on Christmas morning. But in our area where I live, and there are like 80 Lutheran churches, um, we're one of like two or three that actually have church on Christmas Day. So it's sort of the same thing. There's a big <laughs> All yeah. Saints, All Hallows Eve festival last night, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but not so much today. 
So yeah, there no, you have it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least, you know, thank God, um, most people have the day off, thankfully, on December 25th. Um, yeah, right. It, but it, it, it is certainly difficult. And you have the same problem with, like, you know, the Annunciation or the, the Ascension. It's, it is just challenging um, with how things are um, and set up in our culture where we're just kind of like from, from busyness to busyness to, to do these, these midweek observances. But, you know, it's uh, an opportunity for us to gather at least around the, the, the family altar, so to speak, um, and in our, you know, family devotions, maybe around dinner time today to, to say a short prayer, to maybe sing a, sing a verse or two of a, of a good hymn for All Saints Day. It's still something that we can observe um, together as brothers and sisters. How are you doing? Are you all healthy and safe where you're at? By God's grace, we are. And um, I, I hope that doesn't change as a result of eating too much candy. But yeah, we're doing well. <laughs> um, I, I had uh, the pleasure of observing not only my three-year-old, but also my, my two-and-a-half-year-old nephew running around together last night having a ball. And it's just you get so much joy vicariously through uh, doing that stuff with the kids. So very, very good. Very good. How are you doing, brother? Um I've been on the road. I was very sick uh, for a week or so, and I finally got my. I had three. I preached three times last weekend, and I was. Ooh. I had no voice, uh-huh. and so uh, finally midweek this week, I'm getting it back. I'm still a little, a little scratchy, but by God's grace, here we are. Yeah, well, I couldn't even tell there was any scratchiness to it. So I think I think <laughs> it's now I'm gonna start like coughing. Now that <laughs> I'm thinking about it, no, I'm good. Well, no, that's it's okay. It's good. okay. If you need to take a break, um, I, I've been told that I have no problem just filling up all the air in the space. So, <laughs> so I, I'm, I am fully confident that I could just sit here and listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> so on that terrific note, let's go ahead and just get into this. It's 20 verses. They're kind of um, on the shorter side so it's 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 um actually like overall it's not actually that long but um yeah just just an interesting turn you know after a couple chapters of don't go to egypt don't go to egypt and and, and now we have uh, more of the gospel idea of like and hey this is what's going to happen by god's grace here so let's go ahead and dig into this chapter 32 and as we do brother would you say a prayer for yeah. well for your voice and also just for everybody listening here today yeah let us pray heavenly father even as the ethiopian said to philip how can i understand what i read except someone should guide me so lord we also confess that we cannot understand what we read of your word without the holy spirit's help open our minds and hearts to your spirit whom your son has promised will guide us into all truth that together we might grow in faith, be better prepared to give an answer of the hope that is in us. Bless and guide our study, our, our teachers today, through Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and read the first several verses here, maybe, the, maybe even through verse 8, and that'll give us a good chunk to get chewing on here. So... That's actually a very apt metaphor for November 1st also. All right, so here's uh, chapter 32. Do you have a favorite candy, like milk duds, <laughs> slow pokes? <laughs> uh, mine mine is, is just, you know, and I think it's been this way ever since I was like seven or something like that, but just Reese's, you know, just that chocolate-peanut yeah. butter combination. It's just a match made in heaven, can't, isn't it? Can't beat it. Yeah. How about you? <laughs> 
Um, I'm yeah, I would say that I'm a, I'm a Reese's fan. I'm just a good any good solid dark chocolate. Uh, oh well, yes. Oh, yeah. God bless all of you who gave out dark chocolate Reese's. That's probably the best thing you could have done for anybody yesterday. So, yeah, thank you. Okay. <laughs> you oh. All right. All right. You're going to go read ahead. or am I going to read? I'll, I'll go ahead and read, go, but then, but then you can, you can um, kind of unpack this for us and tell us, sure. okay, how does this fit kind of following chapter 31 and set us up for what we're going to read in the rest of the chapter here. So this is the bridge here in verse 1 through verse 8. Behold, a king will reign in righteousness, and princes will rule in justice. Each will be like a hiding place from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry place, like the shade of a great rock in a weary land. Then the eyes of those who see will not be closed, and the ears of those who hear will give attention. The heart of the hasty will understand and know, and the tongue of the stammerers will hasten to speak distinctly. The fool will no more be called noble, nor the scoundrel said to be honorable, for the fool speaks folly, and his heart is busy with iniquity to practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied, and to deprive the thirsty of drink. As for the scoundrel, his devices are evil, his plans are wicked schemes to ruin the poor with lying words, even when the plea of the needy is right. But he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. All right, uh, thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, so, so I mean, this I, I, uh, this this uh, part here, it, it's a turn talking about, um, I mean, there's something in the plural, princes, right? But there's also a, a particular king, who reigns in righteousness and it's also interesting kind of reads like a like a psalm or a proverb right kind of contrasting these two ways doesn't it yeah absolutely so yeah let me take a half a step back and then let me just blast right into 32 the half a step back and and maybe it's a full step and then a half step the full step back is one of the things i love about isaiah uh if 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 you know you're you're listeners are regular readers of Isaiah or have been following along the last 31 chapters, is Isaiah is just a great example of law and gospel, law and gospel, law mm -hmm. and gospel. You can, it's almost, it's almost every other chapter, not exactly. Yeah. But, but as you start at the beginning of, uh, of, of the, the prophecy of Isaiah, you have these sharp rebukes against Israel and their unfaithfulness, and then mm -hmm. there's this promise of love and healing and redemption, and then there's a, a sharp rebuke, and then there's a promise of a Messiah. And then there's a rebuke and a promise, a rebuke and a promise, and it kind of kind of goes back and forth. And it's, right. you know, it's this just beautiful articulation of God's anger toward Israel's unfaithfulness, and yet his his character, which is he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And so uh, chapters 31 and 32, which you started yesterday, are really the fifth of six woes, right? These start mm -hmm. in 28 and 29 and 30 and 31, and and it's this this notion of, of you know, Hezekiah is now the king. This is after Ahaz 
and he's actually a good king, and he's he's he's. I'm going to I'm going to use uh, I don't kind of use the word trying, but you know, it, it's as far as humanly possible to do be be faithful to God and His Word and 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 so on. Mm-hmm. And yet, his because he's fallen as we all are, mm-hmm. he 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 struggles with his fidelity toward God. And maybe the, I would couch this whole section because we're going to see this more as we get deeper into this chapter, as this is really a first commandment issue uh, in that, you know, the first commandment says you shall have no other gods. And what does this mm-hmm. mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And one uh, uh, smart uh, commentator, you know, uh, defines fear, love, and trust as whatever, whatever gives you identity, security, and meaning in life, that mm-hmm. is your God. And the key here in Isaiah in the section of Isaiah is security. You know, uh, Israel was looking for security in all these alliances, and you kind of set this up in your introduction with Egypt, you know, and that if we could just work this out and have these military friends, then we're going to be okay. And, And the reality is they were beginning to trust more and find their security more in their political alliances than in God himself. And we're going to see this play out a little bit as the chapter unfolds, and particularly in the next chapter, chapter 33. You know, it's this, um, you know, we even have a hymn, we like, trust not in princes, they are but mm-hmm. mortal, right? right? And and this is this is the kind of the rebuke. And so this is the fifth in a series of these six woes, you know, kind of rebuking Hezekiah and Israel against their, their trust. So in the midst of this rebuke, pops up uh, Isaiah 32, which is this promise. It's the gospel again. You know, it's this, it's this moment of like, it says, I, you know, God says to Israel, I've got this. And he describes then this righteous king, or, you know, it, you know, it depends. You either say, behold, a king will reign in righteousness, or in NASB, it's behold, a king will reign righteously. And, and mm-hmm. it's this, it's this righteous king. And, and like so much of Isaiah's prophecy, there when when I when the first readers heard this, or the first recipients of the prophecy heard this, and then read it, um, it 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 sort of it has an immediate uh, fulfillment. When when Martin Luther commented mm-hmm. on this, he he said this is a reference to King Hezekiah, right. who tore down many idols and who reopened the temple and who began to celebrate the Passover again. And so there is a sort of a a, a real world right now fulfillment for them. Right. Um, but like so much of of Isaiah's prophecy, there is a there is a there is a fulfillment now, but there is a greater fulfillment. And when we hear that that great line, a king will reign in righteousness, um, you know, a Christian can hardly not <laughs> see Jesus in that, the one who right. is truly righteous, the one who is the king of kings, who is the right. fulfillment of all God's promises in the Old Testament. And so, so you read this sort of with an eye toward what was happening then, and then an ultimate, you know, what would come uh, looking forward. The other kind of larger context of 32 is this whole section is going to end uh, in about six six or seven chapters here with, with chapter 39, mm-hmm. and that's sort of the first half of the prophecy. <clears throat> and Isaiah then 40 begins with those right. great Advent verses, comfort, comfort ye my people. Right. And, and, 
you will get some of these, some of the most clear and beautiful prophecies of the coming Messiah and his kingdom. And so this is a little, uh, just a little glimpse behind the curtain of what's yet to be revealed in Isaiah's prophecy. Yeah, thanks. That's that's helpful. You're right that this is already kind of just like the back uh, portion here of this first part of Isaiah. Right, right now, yes, it feels like we've been focusing on the whole Assyrian crisis, the alliance with Egypt, King Hezekiah, kind of a lot. Um, but yeah, come chapter 40 already, we're kind of going to leave all that behind firmly in the rearview mirror, and we're going to be looking ahead toward the end of exile and the Messiah who's going to be bringing us out of exile, both, um, you know, in terms of the, the actual uh, return from the Babylonian captivity, but also uh, ultimately pointing ahead, as you were saying, to Christ. And those are, those are the, you know, that, that shows the twofold nature of this, as it was kind of setting us up for, that we keep seeing this in Isaiah that, you know, you talk about a king reigning in righteousness. Well, on the one hand, there's Hezekiah, but who is Hezekiah? Um, pointing towards, right, of course, our Lord Jesus. And, you know, we, we've seen this again and again, even going as far back as the chapters, um, I think it was like 9 and 11, that you have that local fulfillment, fulfillment in Hezekiah, who, as you said, I mean, he was not a perfect king, but compared to his predecessors, he was pretty good. Um, <laughs> and I think I think that's kind of the uh, the idea that, as you, as you were saying here, you have this word righteousness, in verse one, in the Hebrew, it says, you know, um, you know, behold, in righteousness, you know, or, you know, with righteousness, a, a king will rule. So, like, it comes out with that righteousness first kind of contrast. Yeah, like, hey, right? Yeah, it's right. So, and, and it's said first before you even mention the king or the ruling because it's like, hey, finally, uh, you know, a guy who will reign righteously, right? Like, we haven't seen one of those in a long time, I think is kind of the uh, the implication and, and kind of the sense of the word order there. Because, you know, my goodness, as we've been seeing, you know, if you compare, like, what his predecessors, um, you know, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, like, especially Ahaz, like, it's going to be a pretty big break from recent tradition in Judah's uh, monarchy. Yeah, amen. Yeah, it it, it, the other thing, as you were talking, that came to mind is is you have to also recognize, context-wise, that in in 722 Samaria fell, and coming up in 701, the there's going to be the Assyrian invasion of Judah, and so this is all, you know, coming, you know, down the pike, and ultimately the Lord is the one who will deliver Judah. Um, you know, and none of these these earthly um, alliances are going to help them, right? right. And so, uh, behold, a king will reign righteously, and princes rule justly. And, and it is it is like a, a psalm or a proverb because you have sort of these parallel um, statements, right? They, you know, the king and righteously, princes justly, and these are you know kind of parallel thoughts. Each will be like a refuge from the wind, a shelter from the storm. And again, you, you it's, it's that sort of poetic, um, you know, vibe to that. And mm-hmm. uh, then it goes on to say, like streams of water in a dry country, like the shade of a huge rock in a parched land. And so, so all those verse, you know, all those those images in verse two then are images of uh, Israel in distress or under duress. You you saw this earlier in chapters, um, in the earlier chapters of Isaiah, 
and and in other parts, you know, when Israel was in the wilderness, this notion, the contrast is, you know, streams in the desert, you know, the desert is this this place of abandonment. This the desert is this wilderness. Um, it's you know even with Jesus right after he's baptized he goes out into the desert this parched place there's mm-hmm. no food there's no drink and and it's it's this 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 place of barrenness and abandonment and the the promise then is that you know and and this is in the earlier chapters of Isaiah that God will bring streams in the desert and that where there was desert there you know the land will blossom and there will be moisture and it will be it be nourished and it'll flourish right. you know and and uh, the the places that are parched and dry um be, beaten by the storms are the places where God will renew and refresh them um, even that line of shelter from the storm brings to mind immediately the passages from this past Sunday. We had we celebrated Reformation Day in the great psalm uh, right. for Reformation Day is Psalm 46, and it's the it's that same image of God's uh, you know gracious protection and deliverance of His people. Right, mm-hmm. um, a mighty fortress is our is our God, and it starts out with those same verses, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore right. we will not fear, though the earth gives way, the mountains mo- mo- moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, you know, and it, it describes this sort of chaos of of distress, you know, and you can apply that to the, you know, the physical fallen world, which convulses, uh, and all of the natural disasters that surround us, or you can you can think about the distress and turmoil of the soul, of the anguish that we experience as fallen people, uh, distress in heart and mind, uh, because of our sin and the sin of those around us. And in the midst of this, it says, God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, kingdoms totter. The Lord of hosts is with us. God of Jacob is our fortress. And that's that's sort of kind of the feel here is that that each will be like a refuge from the wind, a shelter from the storm, like streams of water in a dry country, shade of a huge rock in a parched land. And it's this this sense of, you know, whatever the distress is around you or within you, you know, God is God is there as your shelter and your fortress in this, and I'm going to say coming kingdom. The, in the for us as Christians, it's the you know it's living under the reign of our Lord Jesus, where he he has has as renewed us and continues to renew us. We live in this moment of now and not yet. We're now you know since the first century in the kingdom of the Messiah, and it's not yet fully. Uh, we don't experience it fully until that day when he comes back again, and it's ours completely consummated in heaven. Uh, right. But there is this this notion of refuge and shelter and 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 provision. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you, you get that just over and over again in the Psalms, just like you were saying. And these are the, the ways that God himself is described. And it, it makes sense to talk about a, a human king this way, because, I mean, that's what the kings are supposed to be doing. They're supposed to represent the true king. That's what all of these kings of Judah are there for. They are to be the, the face of God on his people, to be extending his grace and his gifts and his security, right? And you look to the righteous king, not because we're putting our hope in princes, right, as you were saying, but because that 
that prince, this earthly prince of Judah, is supposed to be the one who is um, providing God's own um, security, extending his own uh, security and shelter and grace to the people. And so he's supposed to be like that and not like the king who gets in the way of those things, right? And that's what we were reading at the the last few verses there that you've got, you know, the scoundrel who, you know, ruins the poor with lying words and, you know, ignores the plea of the needy even when they're in the right, you know, that it's almost, um, you can kind of think of it like this way, that the righteous king is just kind of transparently passing along the light and grace of God and he's blocking out the bad things like the storm but it's this, the fool or the scoundrel who is actually getting and blocking, uh, getting in the way of God's blessings and, and just letting in all the storm and letting in all the wind. And so it's kind of like, you know, you think of like a, you know, a shelter or an umbrella and it's just like pointing the wrong way or something like that. Uh, but it's all God, though, and the, and the king's just a pass through. But uh, hold on to that thought. We do need to take a short break here, but we'll keep looking at this chapter here, Isaiah chapter 32 on Thy Strong Word when we get back. Father with a $1.75 per hour minimum wage job in Guatemala, or for a mother combing through the rubble of their earthquake-stricken home in Chile, a Bible storybook for their children is an unimaginable luxury. Yet what child doesn't need to learn of Jesus in a language they can read and understand? You can help tell Spanish-speaking children everywhere about Jesus when you adopt the Lutheran Heritage Foundation's Juan 316 Mission Project, lhfmissions.org. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10 states, If the iron is blunt and one does not sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Find this true wisdom in Christ on Sharper Iron every weekday morning at 8 a.m. here on Worldwide KFUO. Sharpen the iron of your faith together with two pastors as they take up the sword of the Spirit to proclaim the gifts of Christ crucified and risen for you. Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 32, and we're joined today uh, by our guest. He's not only a pastor, but he's also the district president of the SELC district. And I hope he'll tell us a little bit about that in just a second. Pastor Wally Benovskis returning to Thy Strong Word. And we're looking here at Isaiah 32. We were just talking about how you have this description of a, a righteous king in contrast to the fools and the scoundrels who get in the way of God's blessings, you know, who 
who take these blessings and hoard them for themselves. And so <clears throat> we can talk a little bit more about that because I think there's a connection to something earlier in Isaiah that might uh, make it a little clearer. But I do want to make sure I invite everybody who's listening to send in any emails, uh, questions, comments that you might have. You can email KFUO at KFUO.org or call one 800 730 Two seven two seven, or if you're in St. Louis, three one four eight two one, o eight five o. So, um, so brother, tell us a little bit, if you would, actually, um, about how things are going in the SELC district, and um, and am I right? Is this um the district president position? Is that something that you recently? Um, yeah, about sorry. eighteen months ago. I'm about yeah. half. Uh, each term is is three years, uh-huh. uh, and I it was uh, April of eight of 2018. So um, I'm just like today. Actually, last week, a week ago today was my 18 month birthday or anniversary. So um, yeah, I've, I've about a year and a half. I've I served 10 years in California. I was in uh, the Pacific Southwest District for my vicarage and first parish. And then I was up in the California, Nevada, Hawaii district for about three years. And then for the last 18, crazily, where does the time go? I've been here in Pennsylvania and the the congregation I serve is part of the SELC, which a hundred years ago was part of uh, an ethnic group, an ethnic church that came to the United States. It was the Slovak Evangelical Lutheran Church. In fact, I was just last Sunday, I preached uh, at the very first Slovak church in Streeter, Illinois. Oh, wow. A hundred years ago, 1884. And um, then about 60 years ago, they realized that they they weren't really Slovak. They were... Um, or, or they weren't speaking Slovak anymore. Their services were in English. They sent their seminarians to Concordia Seminary St. Louis or Springfield, Illinois. Right. And in 1959, they became the Synod of Evangelical Lutheran Churches, and they ident- adopted an American uh, identity as the Synod of Evangelical Lutheran Churches, SELC. And then 10 years later, they became part of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod as a non-geographic district. Um, all those churches that were part of that church body all came over, and there were some just some left-hand kingdom reasons they stayed together, and some right-hand kingdom reasons, which were they had all grown up together, and they had a very tight, close ties. And, and I was fortunate and blessed by God to come here uh, in, in 2001, and it has been just a wonderful, it's a wonderful district. We have about 60 congregations, and and about the same amount of pastors. Not all pastors are active right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I serve congregations from Montreal to Tampa, from New York City to St. Louis, um, Chicago, uh, Racine, across Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Virginia. So, uh, yeah, so I travel quite a bit. And, yeah, wow, uh, it's yeah. A it's a great blessing. It's a wonderful family. Footprint. Yeah, we start a, we've started a lot of churches in... Um, around the country, in New Jersey, in Florida in particular. And uh, this church I serve is a mission that was started here about 30 years ago. And so uh, that's our sort of our mission. Um, yeah. So it's my, my privilege to continue to serve as a parish pastor here at Concordia in Mukunji, Uh But then I also serve uh, as the district president. So my congregation is very gracious. They allow me time, and they're very supportive. And so together we uh, we we serve in the vineyard. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Because it is Christ's vineyard, right? Very good. Well, thank you for, for sharing a little bit about, about your uh, And I'm not journey. Slovak. For Everybody always asks. I'm not Slovak. Oh. <laughs> I have no background. So, but yeah. My, no, my you privilege. mean Vinovskis isn't Slovakian? No, I, I actually grew up in the Latvian Lutheran Church, small country in the Baltic uh-huh. Sea. My parents were immigrants here, and I actually came into the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in high school. So oh, that's wow. another story for another Bible study. Yeah, so, yeah. You'll, you'll have to. Well, well, all this means is that we just have to have you on again really soon, so you can tell us that story. I mean, you can't just I know you're dying hanging to know. forever. You know, <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, uh, but, so yeah, let's, let's get back uh, to this. There's a couple exactly. things. Can I touch yeah. on these things? Yeah. yeah sure, so sure. Uh, verse four or uh, no, verse three. Um, then the, the eyes, eyes of those yeah. who will who see will not be blinded. The ears of ears, those who hear will listen. Um, uh, and and in, in the ESV, it's will not be closed and will give attention. And um, there's there's again there's a look back and a look forward. You know, in in chapter twenty nine, there's a rebuke. Isaiah twenty nine, there's a rebuke of Israel. And their response is, well, we can't see, we mm-hmm. can't read. Right. And it's sort of this defensiveness. And, and it says, well, when God sends his righteous king, and, and again, I will say when the Messiah comes, all of a sudden your eyes will see. He won't be blinded anymore. It'll all be clear. And you will hear. Uh, and then looking forward, you know, isn't that the rebuke of Jesus or, I don't know if it's a rebuke, but a prodding of Jesus when he's preaching to the crowds, and particularly the scribes and Pharisees, for him who has ears to right. hear, let him hear. And mm-hmm. uh, and then that's the promise revealed. Again, there'll be more of that later in Isaiah, and, and, and Jesus will quote that back to the disciples of John the Baptist. Like, are you really the Messiah? Right. Well, tell mm-hmm. them what you see. The blind receive their sight, the deaf hear, the lame walk. And these become signs, then, of the Messianic kingdom. Right. And they're, they're kind of, uh, um, again, you know, spiritually, you know, interpreted here in these passages. But ultimately, right. we believe in the fulfillment of God's kingdom. They'll, they'll be fulfilled literally in reality yes. that all those... those um, impediments or impairments that we might associate with the fall right. will be remedied, healed, and renewed. And we'll yes. have and so that, that bigger, vision again. That bigger and, fulfillment yeah. that's even larger yeah. and uh, goes beyond even what, what's what's kind of meant here locally, right? We And we had a chance to talk about that when we looked at chapter 29, how you do have that, that connection to the gospel where, as you were, as you were pointing out, it, it's our Lord's report back through the disciples of John the Baptist. And you hear it's, it, it is just a metaphor, you know, metaphorically, Judah is brought down to the point of death, right? You know, kind of imagining Judah as represented by a person that's, you know, on the, on the verge, like the, like the man who's uh, left for dead um, in the, in the story of the good Samaritan, right? Um, or, you know, like a man who is deaf and, and you have um, also, we saw in chapter 30, when we looked at that, the, the kind of image of the not seeing and the not hearing, right? You know, the people who say to the seers, don't see. The ones who say to the prophets, don't prophesy to us what's right. You know, this kind of almost um, this spiritual condition of blindness and deafness that they've brought on themselves. They don't want to see. <laughs> they don't want to hear what God has to say even, right? 
but that in this moment of repentance, because that's the whole reason you, you mentioned it. I'm, I was glad you did. And we've seen this alternation in Isaiah, how it seems like whenever you have a new chapter, there's a good chance that finally we're switching back from law to gospel or from gospel to law. And so this is answering that that law that God was using to work repentance. And through Hezekiah, there's going to be repentance. And the people are going to say, hey, you know what? Wow, we were lost. We were trusting on ourselves and our alliances. We should have been trusting on God because, look, it's God who bailed us out of this Assyrian siege. That angel of the Lord showed up, and that wasn't us. That We had nothing to do with that. That was all God's gracious mercy um, that he poured out on us. And so this repentance that happens, right, is what then leads to to finally seeing and listening because they're listening and seeing the word of god the word that they were you know scorning before with isaiah you know and being like oh here he comes you know line upon line right and all the rest now they're actually going to listen and that word of god's going to be uh unleashed you could say and and yeah. so it's very different um and this is something i wanted to ask you about what you think it's very different from the fool and the scoundrel who I think, you know, it's right to see this as, um, you know, the, the bad kings in the past, you know, especially Jotham and Ahaz. But it also, I, I wonder, I'm reminded of how we talked, it was, it was way back in chapter 22 when we talked about Shebna and how there was this guy in Hezekiah's administration who was very pro-Egypt. He was instrumental in trying to work out this alliance with Egypt, um, you know, and he was the one who was really kind of like putting all this stuff in Hezekiah's ear, you know, the reason why, like, Hezekiah had to really repent from this stuff. Um, I wonder if this is also talking about not just Hezekiah, but just talking about, you know, men like uh, Eliakim who would replace Shebna that we're talking about the transition not just from Jotham and Ahaz but all those people who are in his administration um, who are responsible for these idolatrous alliances and um, you know these these taking these instances of taking advantage of the poor and the needy. Yeah, uh, I think you're 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 a hundred percent right. You know, and I, as I read verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, I can take what you just said and lump that all in there. Um, it, that was my gut when I was reading verse 5, the fool will no more be called noble, nor mm -hmm. the scoundrel be said to be honorable. Right. Uh, like so many politicians in our day, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. that that when when you look at the way that the values of, of, of a fallen world and they they tend to glorify those things uh which which are we would say are foolish or materialistic or lying and they reward this kind of uh selfish and arrogant uh posturing and all the the kind of the backroom deals and all kinds of the political wrangling and and uh and like you again you said this at the beginning this is so much like a proverb because it you know it lists the fool will no longer be called noble the scoundrel said no longer honorable the fool speaks folly and and it says the scoundrel his devices are evil and they ruin the poor and and it has this list of all these things that from a worldly perspective and from all these kind of polit backroom political operators in Isaiah's day they used to be looked up to because of their craftiness and and 
in the coming of God's kingdom, it will all be set right, that um, that people will be thoughtful, <laughs> reflective, honest, uh, noble, um, humble. You know, you could you can you could just sort of take the opposites of all of these these examples here, and and in in some way, for, you know, for us again, it, it gets back to. Um, you know, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know, we we struggle now, and we always want to set it right. We we struggle now. Mm-hmm. We want to pay back the the evildoer and see them, you know, get their just desserts. Right. Uh, but it's passages like this that remind us that ultimately God holds us and all of our times in His hands, and that uh-huh. one day all these injustices, the poor will be vindicated, the the those who are downtrodden will be lifted up. Right. Um, and, yeah, it's not, and it's not it's just a problem. It's it, it's not just you know, a, a nice a nice hope. It, it it is real life stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and it and it it really calls for patience for a believer to know and trust for even for the people in Isaiah's day. You know, so you see the evil triumphing, and you say God's the God says I'm gonna I'll set it right. Don't worry. You know, this is all gonna come out, and you right. know, and it does with the coming of His Son, and ultimately we look forward to that full. Again, reconciliation, where where all the evil uh, will be brought to light. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. and, and that, that, how true is that? That it would have taken a lot of patience. I mean, it, even in the most local sense, it took patience, right? I mean, they had to endure how many bad kings before a good one came along, right? And, and even when Hezekiah did come onto the scene, you know, when was God going to deliver them, right? You know, uh, they had they had heard for you know years that Assyria was on the march, that Assyria was going to be a problem, right? But you know, decades later, and here they are. They've they've already you know the the floods come up to their necks, right? You know, um, Assyria is you know in the valleys. It's it's they're marching up to Jerusalem. The siege works are coming up. When's God going to show up and do something, right? It's not until they're in the gates, you know, that the that the Assyrian falls by the sword, the sword not of man, right? I mean. It, yeah. I mean, yeah, that that felt like it took a lot of patience to to happen, and so you mentioned, you know, the politicians and the the crooks and scoundrels of our own day, and certainly, I I think that a lot of people just temporarily can be like, my goodness, when's God going to deliver? When's God going to act and get us out of this mess? Um, and it might, you know, hey, it it might take uh you know longer than we think it might, but as you were saying, I mean, like God's done it. He's he's he did it. He did it in Hezekiah's day. Um, you know, he, he'll do it in ours and ultimately he'll do it once and for all that, that full fulfillment of what we saw, um, when our Lord Jesus was born and lived and died and rose and ascended. We really should though, read the second half. Yeah, we should finish this here. Yeah. Go ahead. Of this chapter. Let's go ahead. Now we left it in verse eight. So this is, this is a transition here kind of after that kind of uh, wisdom proverb kind of uh, side of the prophecy. This is beginning now in verse 9. Rise up, you women who are at ease. Hear my voice. You complacent daughters, give ear to my speech. In little more than a year, you will shudder, you complacent women, for the grape harvest fails. The fruit harvest will not come. 
Tremble, you women who are at ease. Shudder, you complacent ones. Strip and make yourselves bare and tie sackcloth around your waist. Beat your breasts for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the soil of my people growing up in thorns and briars. Yes, for all the joyous houses in the exultant city. For the palace is forsaken, the populous city deserted. The hill and the watchtower will become dens forever, a joy of wild donkeys, a pasture of flocks, until the spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field, and the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. And it will hail when the forest falls down, and the city will be laid utterly low. Happy are you who sow beside all waters, who let the feet of the ox and the donkey range free. All right, so I mean, quite a, quite a transition, right? <laughs> so a couple of things here. Uh, one, you know, I, I think you can maybe summarize a uh, you know a chunk of what's behind this with uh verse 9 and 10 where it says give ear to my word you complacent daughters uh you will be troubled o complacent daughters for the vintage is ended and so this is that sort of almost like laodicea right you're neither hot nor cold so i spit you out of my mouth and it's this you know here god is doing these things and and they're just you know numb to it they don't really care uh, and it, it certainly harkens immediately back to Isaiah 3, if I may, mm. Isaiah 3.16. Because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched right. necks, glancing wantonly with their eyes, mincing along as they go, tinkling right. with their feet, therefore the Lord will strike with a scab the heads of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will lay bare their secret parts. In that day the Lord will take away the finery of the anklets, the headbands, the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets, the scarves, the headdresses, the armlets, sashes, perfume boxes, amulets, the signet rings, nose rings, festal robes, mantles, cloaks, handbags, the mirrors, linen garments, turbans, veils. Instead of perfume, there will be rottenness. Instead of a belt, a rope. Instead of a well-set hair, baldness. Instead of a rich robe, a skirt of sackcloth, a branding instead of beauty. Your men shall fall by the sword, your mighty men in battle, and her gates shall lament and mourn empty. She shall sit on the ground. And so here it is. Rise up, women who are at ease, and hear my voice. Give ear to my word. You know, within a year and a few days, you'll be troubled, O complacent daughters. And so in 701, this destruction is coming, and it's, for you know, for many of them in their lifetime, they're going to see it all laid waste with the coming of the Assyrians. And it's this, you know, I've called out to you, I've given you gifts, I've blessed you so richly, and you just take it all for granted. Right. Yeah, no, thanks for bringing us back to that, too. I mean, the ESV is actually very helpful like that. And I guess most modern translations, actually, they do have some kind of a footnote. If you look, uh, follow along in the ESV, I think there's like an X and a Y or something on, on verse 9 that points us back to chapter 3. And we talked about that, how, you know, under those early kings, um, you know, Uzziah and, and Jotham, earlier kings, Uzziah and Jotham and Ahaz, there was material wealth. 
a good deal of it in Judah, and, and that's why you get that long, long list of finery and and uh, jewelry and all the rest, right? But here, um, we're not we're no longer speaking from the perspective of you know everything going under Jotham or something like that. This is you know one year before it's all going to come down, and so here's Isaiah like, hey, remember what I was saying about you know all of you you know haughty daughters of Jerusalem? Well, okay, the time has actually come now. It's it's right around the corner. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's hard, and I think there's a there's a you know a, a, again a serious rebuke for the people of God, and again there's a you know immediately what comes to my mind um, is is the song of Mary when when Gabriel announces to her that she's going to bear the Son of God in her womb in the flesh, and she says, you know, handmaiden of the Lord, you know, my soul now magnifies the Lord, and she, you know, sings the song, praises prayer, and, you know, it says, you know, you've lifted, you know, the rich you've sent sent empty away and lifted up the lowly, and it kind of, again, flips, goes back to those previous verses, uh, you know, five through eight, where all of the values of this world are flipped upside down, and, and, you know, here God has given you all these blessings, and you've taken these blessings for granted. And and there's a rebuke for us today in our day. You know, for modern day readers, God poured has poured out on His church and our church. You know, the precious gifts of the gospel, the purity of God's word, and and uh, and material blessings beyond belief. And sometimes we just, you know, complacently take it for granted and 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 right. you know our hearts should be our ears and our hearts should be pricked by the law to say look how how generous god is to you and how casually we we deal with yeah. those gifts you know well, years it, ago i had yeah I, i'm just gonna tell you a quick story yeah, go ahead, yeah. chime in here years ago i had i know we're almost out of time i had a had someone we had a lutheran school at one of the churches in fact all the churches that i've served but one of them that i served and and a family would bring their kids to um, to the school but they never came to sunday school mm. and they said well I, they get religion during the week they don't need it on sundays you know and i you know it's like <laughs> you know receive the gifts you know yeah. and at the, at the core of that is is simply a despising of god's word you know it's mm. like well i've got enough this week well no you can you get the whole lot and always more <laughs> You know, there are gifts, and at the core of that is this sort of complacency toward God's Word. You know, God has riches for you if you had only received them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, there's the notion of gratitude instead of just like, yeah, whatever. So right. go ahead. Yeah, well, no, thanks. I mean, that's that, that's a really good story that illustrates it. I mean, it's like you were saying, we're casual with it. We take it for granted because the priority is really out of whack, right? It's because we, 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 don't, we don't say like, oh, okay, we've had enough unless we think to ourselves like, oh, well, because honestly, I mean, it, you know, how much do you really need? How important really is it, right? And it's because the priorities are flipped that we have that kind of an attitude. And so, you know, here in chapter 32, there's this description, and and that's what's interesting about it, right, is the contrast is you've got, like, this really wealthy Judah, you know, a a Judah that's materially doing very well, you know, palaces, it says, right? Um, But the thing is, you know, there's spiritual blindness, there's spiritual deafness, there's injustice. 
And God is saying, you know what, I'm going to come and I'm going to wipe all this stuff out. And it's going to be like the wilderness out here. It's going to be like a forest, you know, forget your fields. And, and we saw this earlier. This was, you know, back to the stuff that we had in like chapter six, seven, um, eight, nine, you know, the stuff about, you know, like, um, you know, having like milk and honey. Like we're going to, we're, we're rolling all this back. It's not going to be fertile fields anymore. It's going to be back to just kind of a, this sort of a, not really like farming, but like just kind of like just subsistence off the land, right? And and yeah. God's saying, the thing is, it's going to be better though. This is going to be an improvement because there's going to be peace. And there's going to be real spiritual peace. At least there will be justice. Things are going to be better off, even though materially you're going to be worse off because they'll they'll have wiped out all of Judah practically. But you know what? At least there'll be the word of God. And because you have that, you're going to be richer overall, right? And so, I mean, really, it's, it's all about the priorities, right? It's that that this is ultimately like God acting for the sake of the salvation of his people. And, and, and it's going to be better in Judah, even though materially it's not going to be the same way as it was under Uzziah and all the rest. Yeah, justice will dwell in the wilderness. Righteousness will abide in the fertile field. Uh, just a couple quick highlights for your listeners. One, sure. of course, is you read in... Um, in uh, verse 13, it says, For the land of my people in which thorns and briars shall come up. And immediately you get that whole Genesis, thorns and thistles. You know, when we uh, turn from God and abandon his ways, thorns and thistles are the fruits of that. Uh, the other one that I thought was really cool was in verse 14, it says, Because the palace has been abandoned, the populated city forsaken, there is actually a, uh, uh, an ancient archaeological find uh, from Sennacherib. He, there's this prism, and your listeners yep. can Google yep. this, Sennacherib's yep. prism. It's actually stored in Chicago. It's one of the most ancient cuneiform like tablets, but it's five-sided. And, right. and Sennacherib actually describes this, what it was yep. said here. You know, he says, I have surrounded and conquered 46 of Hezekiah's fortified cities, fortresses and smaller settlements. I have, tr have ramps trodden down and battering rams brought up, the assault of foot soldiers. And all of this is in this, uh, this writing of Sennacherib, which That's is right. also echoed uh, in Second Kings 18. Mm -hmm. And so if, if you want to see a really cool historical reference or archaeological reference to these passages, uh, type into your Google Sennacherib's prism, and you can see pictures of this um, yeah. amazing you know, and, and that really is an amazing find, because it's like, hey, it's not just in the Bible. It's like hey, straight out of the horse's mouth. Sennacherib himself will tell you about it. So a scary thing, a, a moment of judgment, the one overall where it's better for God's people because they have his word, which is what we have when we are on Thy Strong Word looking at scriptures together like Isaiah 32. Thank you, brother, for joining us. And great. hey, you got to come on and give us the rest of the story real soon. Well, I'll, I'll wait for your call. God's peace. God bless your listeners. All right. Thank you, brother. Everybody, that was Pastor Wally Vinoskis, pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church in Pekunji, Pennsylvania, and also the district president of the SELC district. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, lhfmissions.org. Till next time, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.